Okay, Nesmul, welcome back to Outsource to Profits. We are here to answer outsource offshoring best practices from both the West and the East. So with that, um, we wrote down a couple of great questions we wanted to be able to answer. You want to go with question number one? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really happy that we keep doing this every week. Uh, first question would be for you. When and how to determine outsourcing fees? How do you determine the outsourcing fees? So there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, one of the ways, let's kind of start like macro to micro. First, as an entrepreneur and founder, you have a spot price, a market price here in North America. So let's actually use this as like real roles, real opportunities. An, a very common role that people are looking at outsourcing is customer support or say a social media manager as an example. Okay, social media manager, in middle America, in kind of tier two cities in North America, let's say that that role is going to cost you $50,000 USD. Okay, so there's a couple ways to look at this. First is if you are going to go through offshoring, and for many of our listeners, there is of course an increased risk in doing so, right? Between, uh, or at least perceived risk, whether it's time zone management, um, payment processing, uh, how do I monitor what they're doing and working on? So you've created a, a, a form of anxiety either for yourself or the people internally who are going to be managing this teammate, right? We'll call mm -hmm. them program managers. So there has to be a return for you to justify this. Now, for most offshoring opportunities, the arbitrage, the labor arbitrage is going to start at least 50% better. Yeah. And then depending on the geographic region you're looking at, that could be three times, five times, 10 times labor arbitrage. As an example, social media manager, you might be paying them four or $5,000 a month here in North America. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in the Philippines, you might pay them $1,000 a month. In Bangladesh, that might be somewhere between $500 and $800 a month, right? So we are talking about a magnitude that in my humble opinion, this is obviously why I'm doing this, um, is that the rate of return is so asymmetric to the perceived anxiety or risk, right? So how I like to think about it, again, macro is I think of the opportunity cost of what my market exists today. And I create um, a level of uh, return that I would want. As an mm. example, let's say, as an example, and this is a real life example. Yeah. Um, because Canada is a bit of a labor arbitrage to the United States. So our dollar is worth 30 cents on the dollar less than America. So a lot of times American companies will hire SDRs, BDRs, salespeople in Canada to sell into the United States, and they've just created a 30% tailwind. The risk is ne is negligible. Mm -hmm. So you get this 30% profit margin right there. But imagine I was working on a critical piece of infrastructure, data, software for my company. And a firm, a DevOps firm in India had said, hey, I'll do it for you for half. Mm -hmm. Well. This is so critical to your business. I don't know that half is worth it to me because if it's not live in three months and it's and there are bugs in it, I don't think it's worth half. But if you tell me it's five times less, whew, 
Now I start to think, what can I do with that money? So that's kind of how I look at it um, is I'm applying a metric on what is that role worth in North America versus what magnitude or multiplier of arbitrage am I willing to achieve? Because in every scenario, there's going to be new learnings, there's going to be failures, there's going to be training. I'm going to have to go through some pain. What's pain worth it on the back end from a profit margin standpoint? So thoughts? Yeah. Absolutely. So I think when we're considering how much should we pay somebody, try to understand from our point of view, right? So think about me. Maybe I'm working with you or, or, or I want to work with you. So think about what I want. First, I know for a fact that I am coming from a third world or second world country and I am going to work with the first world country. And just like you, I can Google as well. Right. So I can figure out how much people usually pay in Canada or in the U.S. to a person like uh, who is who is going to be managing social media for you. So when I know that you you and by you, I mean, like people in general or companies in general, they usually pay anywhere between four thousand to five thousand dollars for a social media manager. I'm kind of expecting around eight hundred to a thousand dollars if I'm not wrong. Right. But what I'm not expecting at all is getting a $250 offer. Yeah. And I'll tell you why, because I kind of know like you were paying $4,000 or $5,000, right? Now, how much of a squeeze do you want to do, right? How much of, how much do you want to save? How much can you save? There's a difference between I'm going to save and I just want to save whatever I can. I just don't care about, the person that I'm going to work with, I want to use that person as a commodity, if that makes sense, right? So I think yeah. we we have to understand that at the end of the day, we will be working with this person for a very long time, and we want to make sure that the person will be happy. And he or she is also capable of you know Googling and finding out what people usually pay in that country. That's, that's one. The other thing is, when we work with somebody from outside, automatically in our mind, we automatically think the pay is going to be a little more than if I were doing the same thing with a local company. Obviously, we don't expect it five times more than lo the local companies, but we expect a little more, at least, th at least 30% more than what a local company would pay. So this, this is just psychology that freelancers have. This is just a psychology that, uh, that remote workers have. Uh, so I think these are the two things that you can keep in mind and think about long term. Think about at the end of the day, that person will become your colleague. You want to be able to hang out with that person. You want that person to be happy. You want that person to be happy so that he or she delivers three times more than what you expect. So that's what I would, I would say. Uh, just think about that. One thing I also want to add from a long term retention standpoint, I want you to here in North America, you pay somebody four to $5,000 a month and they are making, okay, so minimum wage, um, minimum wage in my province mm -hmm. just jumped to $16 an hour. Mm -hmm. So if you were to do that over a year, okay, so 50 or $60,000 is maybe double that, right? Like 25 to 30 mm -hmm. some dollars an hour. Mm -hmm. If you lived in the city of Toronto, yeah, being paid, Fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year as a social media manager. You a either have to live at home with your parents, or b would live in an apartment a million miles from downtown mm. and take the bus 
Or C, you have a condo with a group of friends and you have to walk everywhere because you can't also afford a car. Mm -hmm. The reason I bring this up is because you as the social media manager will need to bounce. How do people get pay increases? They bounce Mm -hmm. jobs every two years. And as they bounce to the next job, they get a $10,000 bump and the next and the next and the next. It's very common in the marketing world. Mm -hmm. Whereas... That so the lifestyle that you have created around an employee mm-hmm. being paid four to five thousand dollars is that of a future transient employee. They are not staying with you forever. Yeah, for fifty grand a year. Yeah, but that equivalent in Bangladesh and Philippines, you're paying somebody a thousand dollars a month as an example. Nazmul, help explain to us Westerners how well somebody maybe not living in Dhaka but mm-hmm. living in the provinces or yeah. living outside of town. Because, like, how much more life li- lifestyle living they have, you know, like, uh, rich uh, uh, inside uh, Bangladesh? I'll break it down for you. I think this will really blow your mind. One, uh, you can literally live in a 1,500-square-feet apartment in a nice place inside Dhaka, by the way, which is the capital of Bangladesh. You can live in a neighborhood that is a little safe. You can also live in an apartment where you have generators. So even if the electricity electricity is gone, you still have AC and everything else going on. Um, You have the capacity to get Uber whenever you want, or you can buy a car if you want. Um, You literally can buy any kind of fruits and vegetables that you want. You can have meat three times a day. You can definitely go out three times a week, I would say, and and, and and dine in a nice restaurant. So that's pretty much, I just wanted to give you an overview of so the lifestyle. You now, have, you now have a motivated teammate. Exactly. Who is sitting there going, I have a fantastic opportunity. Absolutely. That I am now mm-hmm. part of. Yeah. And that, and you as the founder, you created a four to five X labor arbitrage for yourself. Yeah. Your company is now more profitable. You, can, right. you know, you have financial optionality. Yeah. But at the same time, your teammate has great financial op- uh, optionality. They aren't living yeah. hand to mouth like fifty thousand dollars in Toronto. Right. You haven't even been able to afford the down payment on a condo for your first condo. My goodness. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Second question is where to find outsourcing projects, and I can start, and then you can jump in. Sure. Uh, we know for a fact there are some websites like Upwork and then Fiverr. Some people think that they should not go there anymore or new freelancers should not go there anymore. I, however, disagree. I think people should still join those marketplaces. One, the clients are already there. Like think about marketing time, right? Usually what happens is you have to look for people who might be you know, like willing to hire people from outside and then you have to talk to them and then convince them and then interview, and then maybe they're not interested. But people who are going to these marketplaces, they're SQL. There's literally sales qualified leads. They are looking for people like you. I know there is a lot of competition. At the same time, I also know for a fact that there is a lot of opportunity out there in in those marketplaces. So I would highly recommend just go to those marketplaces. And also, just like there is uh, there is in, there is also out. So there are a lot of freelancers who join, who probably join the marketplaces like 10 years ago. Now they just don't want to be part of those marketplaces anymore. So they get out. It's not always people are just getting in, people are just getting in. People also get out from those marketplaces. So new opportunities are also being created because 
good people, good companies are leaving. So definitely explore the marketplace. So that's one really important place where you can look into. The other one would be LinkedIn. It's an obvious one, but people usually do not look into it. And when I talk about LinkedIn, there are a few ways we can look into it. And obviously there can be a huge course or an entire, like in you know, a two hours conversation just about this. But long or the short, you can look for the jobs. Now they even have three types of jobs. You can go to US in terms of location, you can select the US. And then in terms of the type of job, you can select hybrid or remote. So when you say remote, it just shows you only the remote jobs on LinkedIn. And you can also select the jobs within 24 hours. So you, so everything is fresh and you can just apply. So do, these are the two places I would recommend that people, you just explore. Like, don't even think about it. We don't have to even think about it. The last place I can talk about uh, where I know a few people where they got good clients or good companies they, they wanted to work with are Facebook groups. So there are certain Facebook groups for certain things. For example, Shopify. So most Shopify experts or most people who use Shopify, I have no idea why, but they seem to be around these Facebook groups. So there are Facebook groups for Shopify themes. There are Facebook groups for Shopify plugins. There are, there are Facebook groups for how to hack Shopify, this and that. If you are a Shopify developer, maybe you can look into these groups, Facebook groups. You just start engaging with people like answer people's question and and most of the time what happens is because you answered some question the person would probably reply and say hey can you help me with this project that i have maybe you start small and then you become a part of the entire team so i also know freelancers who got projects through these facebook groups that we have so these are the three places maybe i can recommend jimmy what are your thoughts what what do where do people like you hang out well so that's exactly i want candidates at places like Philippines, mm-hmm. India, Bangladesh, wherever you're listening from the world, if you are talent, I want you to picture being myself as the founder. Mm-hmm. There's something known as the Chet Holmes Pyramid. Okay, so the Chet Holmes Pyramid is a diagram uh, that indicated it was a study done in the 1990s, early 2000s to dictate what percentage of a market was looking to buy a solution. And this is what we teach sales professionals that only 3% of a market is actively buying right now. And another top 10% is really opening to, they've already gone through, why should I change to how do I change? Now they're looking at the who. Mm. The remaining 90% are not ready to buy yet. Right. The reason I bring this up is most founders and CEOs, the reason we created Get Leverage is that most founders and CEOs, specifically in small businesses, they're just not there yet. They're not flicking a light switch like I am and saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to go fuel up the marketing team. We're going to get into paid media and uh, Nazmi will go find uh, three experts for Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Google, and let's start paid media. Like to me, that's very natural because yeah. I'm six years into this. Yeah. The average founder has a problem. They have a spreadsheet that is too daunting that nobody in their company has any idea how to build. They um, are missing support tickets in their customer queue, and they need to be able to hit time zones in Asia Pacific. Or they want to build a PowerPoint presentation, and their internal team doesn't know how to do this, or they need to code something. So what they do is they look for projects. They have a pain. They look to solve that pain in a singular project. And they'll go to the one place 
that they know of. And that could be, and as we'll mention, Upworks is very famous or Upwork, Fiverr. There's all kinds of these tools. Right. Uh, and I've written uh, newsletters about this where we had these sort of projects, went on the uh, on this tool, found a teammate to execute against this project. Their deliverables were amazing. And we thought to ourselves that what it did is it unlocked my mind and mm. went from a project to where I say, well, I've got these five other things. Now I'm thinking fractional part-time. Mm. Mm. Okay. Well, how do I get you to work 20 hours a week on these five things? They start working. And again, great deliverables, working on time, very cordial, fun to work with, great communicator. And I go, you know what? Do you want to just join the team? Would you like to have full-time revenue? And so everybody, you got to understand that the majority of the market is a crawl, walk, run. And if you're in these tools, you're in the highest category of search, which is I have pain, solve my pain with this project. And over time, I'll move you to a fractional part-time and or full-time role. Got it. Got it. Okay. So now we wanted to talk about most productive remote teams workspace. You want me to start? Sure, please. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so think about um, hiring somebody. So that person will be working remotely. There are a few ways that can happen. One, they can work from their bedroom. Yeah. The other thing that can happen where maybe they're in an apartment where they have their own dedicated room. The third option can be where they are working from a co-working space. So the co-working space has been pretty popular for the last four or five years um, in Bangladesh and around Bangladesh. So that can be another option. And I will give you pros and cons of, of each of them very quickly. Working in, in your bedroom is just not a good idea. It's just not a good idea. And I'm, I'm talking about from both the person who will be working from Bangladesh, that person as well as person like you who, who is going to be hiring somebody. So try to understand in whatever way if the person will be working from a bedroom. It's just not a good idea because usually families don't understand the fact that you cannot distract them. The fact that they're working, most of the families, they have no idea. They, they just don't get it. If somebody is working from home, means that he's just not working. That's the kind of mentality people have in Bangladesh. Like, oh, you're working from home. What? That's not work. That's not work. Work. That's you know, you have to literally uh, go through traffic every single day for an hour or one hour and a half and come back from office like very exhausted. That's work. So, <laughs> so working from bedroom is just a bad idea, and not because you don't want to work, not because I don't want to work. It's because the family members they have they they just don't get it. Now, it doesn't matter how much you say it. So the second a good solution can be where you have a dedicated room. By the way, that's that's what I have. This room is absolutely dedicated for my work. I got an apartment where I said, you know what, I will get a room. And my wife was not happy about it, by the way. <laughs> I'll get a room by myself and I'll just work there. And obviously she was right. I don't I don't get out of this room. I just I get in, in the morning and get out in the at like 10 at night or something. It's true. But however, what happens is because I have my own space, now people, you know my family members, they know when I'm in this space, I'm kind of working. And if they want to get inside the room, they kind of always ask like, hey, are you in a meeting? So it created a boundary, a positive boundary, if I had to put it that way. This is why I'm, I'm not getting distracted every single time somebody just needs to pick up something in my, from my bedroom, if that makes sense. 
Um, so second solution is a really good solution. You having your own room inside your apartment. So that's the second solution. The third solution, in my opinion, probably the best solution. And I'll tell you why I think is the best solution. The third solution is going to a working space and working there. So here are the reasons why this is the best solution for now. So we're recording this in 2023. For me right now, I think this is the best solution. And this is why. So this is post COVID that we're talking about. What has happened is we have gotten into some kind of habit while we were going through COVID. And I think it's hard for us to get over those habits. What do I mean by that? During COVID, because we kept working from home and there are a lot of companies who just have meetings with their cameras off. I have no idea why, but they would just have the meetings with the cameras off. I know people who woke up just to join the meeting so they turned on the laptop, joined the meeting while they were still laying down on their bed, had the meeting, closed down the laptop and fell asleep again. <laughs> it happened over and over and over again. And I talked with them and I know for a fact that these are people who are nice people, by the way. They're not evil people. They're not bad people. They're not like one of those people who just don't want to work. It's, they're not one of those people. They want to work. However, they've gotten into a habit where they have become lazy and it is kind of like a rabbit hole. They have gotten inside so much, now it's hard for them to come back. It's just really hard for, the, for them to come back. So going to working space, what allows people to do is being around people who are just working as well, right? So you are among people who are also working, you also get motivated and you go to an office, which means you're just, you just can't fall asleep just because you want to, <laughs> just because you felt like falling asleep. and there are a lot of things, by the way, Jamie, there are a lot of things that you don't hear about, right? This, this goes on between me and my team, okay? There is a lot of yelling going on, I promise you. I promise you, you don't hear about any of those things where I'm like yelling at them because they fall asleep. I'm <laughs> like, why are you falling asleep? You can't fall asleep. And you give me the excuse like, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't finish it because I fell asleep. And it has become very normal for them. It's, for me, it's frustrating because I'm the manager and I feel like, oh my God, what's going on? So... Going to a working space, I think, at least for the time being, is a really good solution. And if somebody doesn't want to go to a working space full-time, which I don't, by the way, what I do out of a week, I work six days a week. So out of six days, three days I go to working space and three days I work from home. So this gives me enough flexibility that I can work from home. And also this, this gives me enough feeling good situations and being motivated so because I'm in that working space, uh, so this is a good combination. So I think this can be a good solution for all the people who really wants to be productive. And if you're hiring people from outside, do ask them if they're working from bedroom and, and you can kind of like see it from their background. If, if you see a bed in, that's a bedroom, right? You can tell. Uh, that's, not, that's not a good sign, I promise you. So please make sure whoever you are working with, they have a separate room. And when you insist, I promise you, they take a separate room. I've seen it over and over again, where I insisted to the team member, like, hey, is this your own room? They said, no. Then I'm like, you can join the team if you actually you know, change your house and take your own room. And people actually did it. So people are willing to do it. And I promise you, you're not uh, saying something that is very illogical. So you can tell people like, hey, get your own room. Or here is a hack. It's not going to cost you more than 100 or $120, I'm talking about US dollars. It's not going to cost you more than $100. I promise you to get a monthly um, desk for your new hire. 
but it will enable them to be insanely productive. So think about this, one of those hacks, you know how we all have hacks, right? So this is can this can be one of those hacks where you say, so this is your salary. By the way, on top of the salary, I want to give you subscription to your close uh, working space. So take that working space and work from there. You should be working from there. So this can be one of those hacks. You can try it out uh, and best of luck. I hope it works for you. Any, any thoughts, Jamie? Yeah. yeah, all I was going to add to this uh, before we wrap up is from a founder's perspective, I believe you, you use the word flexibility. That's the key word mm. I think is optionality. Mm. I'm a big believer. I used to have an office. Yeah. We had a beautiful yeah. office in midtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. It was right on the subway line. It was a class A building. It had a balcony with a barbecue, picnic wow. tables, whiteboard walls, beautiful. Like it was the coolest agency office nice. like we used to have customers come in and just be wowed by this place and you know what my team hated coming in they felt they had to tr you know my city mm -hmm. which is not a fraction of the traffic that you would have in manila mm -hmm. you would have in dhaka you would have in <laughs> mumbai yeah uh, people would groan and moan about the 30 45 minutes 60 minutes to get into the office uh -huh. there and back so what I came to learn, we decided to get rid of that office in 2019. Obviously, that saved me seven or $8,000 a month mm. back in my pocket. That mm. was great. <laughs> but I wanted to create optionality. Mm. So each teammate, do you want to work from home? Yeah. Do you want to work from a co-working space? And I'll help work with you. Yeah. If you if we need to help fund that WeWork or that Regis office, yeah. or whatever you want, yeah. Because that's what makes you productive great. Right. But what I don't want to do is force a round peg into a square mm -hmm. hole. Mm -hmm. I am a huge believer mm -hmm. that it is a legacy bias mm -hmm. to try to go get some physical office right. in, a, in, a, in a location and force people to truck in all hours of the day and night. Remember, you may have teammates offshore that you're asking to work the night shift. Yeah. Right? right. They still right. have to put their kids down, right. feed their kids. They're working overnight for you. Give them the flexibility to work where they can be the most productive. This is why I'm a big believer in standard operating procedures, mm -hmm. KPIs and OKRs, which are like measurement indicators. Right. Having a results-based, performance-based model where we are working on a project or a yeah. task and it's about a start and a stop and milestones we are getting from point A to point B. I don't care if you work eight <laughs> hours a day. What I care about is that I give you this thing and is it on the website tomorrow morning? Right. Like that's, so if you were able to do it in four hours and then you went grocery shopping yeah. and you took your kids to the park, yeah. great. I don't care because from my perspective, the thing I asked for is on the website. Right. So at the best is that each person is individual and for me, I am in an outdoor, so I have an outdoor office at yeah. my home in Toronto, Canada, and I have an outdoor office mm -hmm. on the lake mm -hmm. at my cottage. I work from inside these 10 by 10 prefabbed offices. And to me, that 30 foot walk from my back patio <laughs> into this outdoor office is like I'm going to work. Yeah, I do miss beers after work. Mm -hmm. I, you miss socializing a bit, yeah. Um, but I am able to work more 
hours like I don't have an hour commute in and an hour commute out and I don't think your teammates should either and it was really eye-opening when we started offshoring we started in the Philippines and I would hear these teammates um, talk about going into what's called BPOs business process uh, optimizers or organizers think of like the companies that run the call centers for the banks and the airlines and they would talk about 90 minutes to two hour drives in and out every night right. yeah. to go work for American Airlines uh-huh. call center. Like that's four hours a day of your life gone. And now we've asked them to, why don't you just do that from your spare bedroom? Like as in your spare bedroom was converted into an office. <laughs> right. And they go, you can't believe what a life you've given me back. Yeah. I'm able to feed my kids before they go to bed. Yeah. I'm able to help them if they get up in the middle of the night. I'm able to see my kids in the morning and feed them breakfast. Like yeah. these are things I never did before. Yeah, that's that's a loyal teammate. So Nazmul, yeah. uh, I think we're already at the 30 minute mark. I think we should wrap up. Absolutely, absolutely. Just just wanted to mention one more thing. You know what I love about this podcast is how you have your perspective and I have my perspective, and we can. It doesn't need to be like I have to say yes to you and you have to say yes to me. Like. You're saying all the things from a founder's point of view. I'm saying most of the things right now, as of right now, from a manager's point of view. Like I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you, you gotta get a correct space for yeah. for your teammates. And you are like, no, that can be an option. That's what I love about our podcast. Like you know, we give perspectives. Well, it's, it's west east. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Let's keep doing this, Jamie. Let's keep doing this. If you're watching this yeah. from YouTube, please subscribe and hit that like button and do share this video with your friends who might be suffering from, I don't know, a lot of expenses in your in this company, in her company. And if you're watching or hearing this from any other podcast, do subscribe and see you on the next episode.